to follow that with GAU of Agus Falchero, Agus Falchero, Higgan Clark Gordon, and Wilshire Shankyarth. Boric, good morning. Good morning, Georgia. Good morning. Follow that. Follow that. Good morning. Good morning. What a beautiful morning out there. Isn't it fantastic? Beautiful. 12 to 15 degrees today. That's brilliant. 12. Doesn't that just put a smile on one's face? Yeah, after the very miserable morning we had last Saturday morning, it is a complete turnaround, which is great. And in advance of St. Patrick's Day and all of that, and you've arrived in with a bit of shock. I have some fresh Irish shamrock. Um, you know, it's it's uh, believe it or not, the seeds from, from of those plants were sown back in August, September, uh, last autumn. So it's actually been growing all winter, and uh, it now it's available, I suppose, for people to wear mm-hmm. on St on Patrick's Friday, yeah. Day. The actual botanical name for shamrock is a plant called Trifolium, which in Latin means. Three leaves. Well, I might know, have impressed you with a know. small bit of guelga, but I'm afraid my Latin now would be very poor. So trifolium, the three, three leaf clover, right, yeah. and um, you know, I was just looking at at some research that was done, uh, particularly by Charles Nelson in the Botanic Gardens in Dublin. He was the curator when I was there, believe okay, it or not, back many years ago. Yep. But he actually uh, asked people from all over Ireland back in 1988 to send in what they believed was the shamrock plant. Because in all parts of, of Ireland, in all the different counties, mm. people use slightly different plants for... For shamrock. Yeah. Do, so, do we? Absolutely. So he... Well, the, the word shamrock comes from the Irish word sham oak, which means young clover. And we have different varieties of clover here in Ireland. Yeah. We've got the, the white flowering clover that farmers often use uh, to mix into grassland because it fixes nitrogen. Fiction, yeah. We've got the red flowering clover. This one, Trifolium dubium, is the yellow flowering clover. So it produces yellow flowers during the summer months. It's got the lovely small, uh, tiny green leaves, the three leaves. Um, but there's also a plant called Oxalis that's used, wood sorrel, which is used, which again has slightly larger leaves, again three leaves, and that's sometimes used as shamrock. So when he put the request out in 1988... It, he got five, I think, different varieties of plants, different forms of clover, um, different forms of oxalis sent into the botanic gardens. But the most popular variety, I think 50% of the plants were of this particular species, which is Trifolium dubium. So I suppose... So technically that's technically, the official one, is it? Yeah, and I think the Irish government decided that that particular variety of trifolium would be the official is it? recognised right, like, it's commercial. A bit like, it's a bit like, you know, the way they have um, the, mm. uh, well, I'm going to say, I'll, just, I'll reveal my colours now, the wine, the Appalachian Controle. So we, have we like a, a DOC, an, a place of origin for shamrock, I wonder, you know, the way some countries are very protective about that and it kind of adds value to the brand. Yeah, well, and, and absolutely. The, and, and the Irish government, you know, from, from commercial reasons mm. said that they would recognise trifolium dubium, this particular species. So that's our DOC As, for yes, shamrock, it really. Is really. Um, but I suppose people use different different varieties of clover in, in the different parts, particularly in the south e- uh, east and the south southern co- counties. They use the white clover more so than than this particular variety. Um, so that's shamrock. It's actually available now for people need to to get it and plant it up and put it in a pot. It is perennial. It does come back year after year. My advice is really when you're growing it, just keep it trimmed back, keep it young, keep the young leaves mm. on it. It's also available for export as well, grown in the special gel. So if people have uh, family and friends in the UK or in parts of Europe and they want to send some fresh shamrock, get the vile the uh, the shamrock that's grown in the special gel because it's grown without soil which means you can export it all over the world um and really what St Patrick's Day is Friday so probably Monday ideally is the 
time to get it to off get, so get people it off. don't have it on Put the day. Put it into a, a, a mm, normal lovely. brown envelope and, and send it off. Um, or it's available on our website as well on horkins.ie and we'll send it out to, to family and friends abroad. Okay, and that's, so that's, that's, that's the kind that's allowed to be transported. It from, is. That's yeah. the one that, that yeah. uh, officially can be sent all over the world. These little pots that are brought in today, they're grown in soil, so they're great if you just want to have a bit of fresh shamrock for St. Patrick's Day and grow it on yourself in the garden somewhere, maybe so in just a pot can, or yeah, container. So is it fairly, so is it fairly hardy? I mean, I as it easy is. as clover is to grow. <laughs> okay, the okay. shamrock is, you know, it's, so, it, it's a plan <laughs> to get... I'd be envisioning that I would let it die. The only way you kill it is actually overwatering and overfeeding okay. It because it, it's a plant that um, fixes its own nitrogen. It takes nitrogen from the atmosphere, uh-huh. um, so it produces its own food uh, as such. So it, it does great in a pot and kind of a sandy, gritty type soil, um, or out in a in a, an area. Remember, it will spread, so you have to keep an eye on it and keep it keep trimmed keep back and in in check. Excellent. But um, it's available anyway for planting at the moment. Okay, great stuff. Speaking of the good weather, we yes. we talked about last week. What are we, um, what are well, we doing? Just I was thinking this morning. Well, what should people be doing? And let's look at. I'd, take advantage of the couple of dry days that we're going to get now. Growth has certainly started very, very strongly. Um, so the first thing I'd be keeping an eye on are the lawns. We did mention them last week. It's been was difficult last weekend to get out and get the grass trimmed. But if you haven't done that, do that this weekend, this afternoon or, or tomorrow morning. Um, trim it off, like I said last week, put on the grass box, mm-hmm. raise the blades a little bit higher, get it trimmed up and tidied up. Get the, the moss control out, so put a, a bit of the zero out to control the moss. And from now on, the middle of March onwards, you can start to feed the lawns. And feeding in general is something that people should start now. So many of the plants, you'll see them coming into leaf, um, lots of plants coming into flower. So spring has certainly started. And when we get temperatures of above 10 degrees, growth starts to grow, uh, starts to go. So now is the time to start feeding plants in general. So things like roses, prune them back, feed them now. Hydrangeas, I see a question in, somebody wondering, is it too late to, to prune mm. hydrangeas? But it's not. This is the time of year, mid-March, towards the end of March, just as they're coming into bud and leaf, is the time to cut hydrangeas back. So most summer flowering plants like buddleias, hypericums, plants that flower from June onwards, should be pruned at this time of year. This is the time to cut them back, and it's also the time to feed them in general. So roses... Hydrangeas, Bodleias, Hypericums, all of those summer flowering plants. If you've got herbaceous border plants like lupins, yep. Arab lilies, um, the summer lilies that come into flower, chrysanthemums, again, tidy up those herbaceous plants. So go out and prune back any old dead leaves, tidy them up, rake up the old dead leaves around them and stems, and again, give them a generous uh, handful of fertilisers. Again, a tree and shrub fertiliser, something like Osmo would be ideal, just to give them a little bit of a boost now. So there's a, a sense of kind of tidying up any old dead growth, allowing the fresh growth to come forward. Very Apple good. trees and fruit in general, this is the time to prune them back. So black currants, gooseberries, red currants, white currants, raspberries, apple trees, pear trees, all of those should be pruned at this time of year. So again, use the good weather, get out with your secateurs mm. and tidy up the plants, cut out any dead wood rejuvenate the plants and add some fertiliser. The key thing at the moment as well is weed control. Lots of young weeds yeah, beginning really to... You can really see them popping up. You can really see them coming mm-hmm. now. So get out with the garden hoe. A day like today, a dry day, a relatively bright, warm day, the weeds will dry, die very, very quickly if you hold them off and tidy them up. Um, if you've got some perennial weeds in the garden, like scutch grass, dandelions, daisies, or you know those perennial type weeds, you can use a weed control like weed-free 
360, yeah. which again is a liquid weed killer, mix it in water, apply it onto the foliage. And that's good because it only k- kills what it touches without damaging Thank the you. soil. So it allows you to, to plant. And I suppose it's a time to add a bit of spring colour. Um, we won't feel it till Easter. No, but you can really see, I notice, and I suppose it's probably the little bit of uh, heat that we have had over the course of the week. But so, and I know we'll talk about daffodils in a minute, but I did notice colour in particular from daffodils over yeah. the last couple of days. Suddenly they have opened and up and you can just, every. I, w- I was bringing somebody somewhere on Thursday and I just noticed I was able to see gardens and that. And it was just suddenly you could see this colour. Within color, a week yeah. or within 10 yeah, days. Well, yeah, literally. Burst yeah, burst for of Scythia color. is in yeah. full flower, for example, that shrub, that yellow flowering shrub is in full bloom at the moment. Mm. Um, many of the early flowery cherries have come into flower. Um, so there's lots of plants like daffodils and narcissi. Tulips will be on the point of flowering now. Another week or two, they'll be coming into bloom. Um, but also a lot of the spring flowering plants, the primroses, are started to bloom at the mm. moment. So they're lovely if, if people want to. So just add a bit of colour around the garden. The spring flowering pansies, the spring heathers are in bloom. And many of the bulbs, the scented hyacinths, um, tulips, as I say, will flower shortly and all the daffodils are beginning to bloom. So you can, if you have some areas that need a bit of colour, there's lots of plants just on the point of flowering now. Campanula, for example, the bellflower, which is a lovely navy blue flower. It's often used in rockeries and borders and beds. That's just coming into flower at the moment. And again, it adds a nice bit of colour if you pots and containers or window boxes or you want to just add a bit of colour around the garden, yeah. particularly thinking of Easter. Um, so planting them now and they'll come into flower over the next couple of days. Okay. So they're the type of things, Deirdre, that people can be... Um, focused on at the moment. Again, if they go to our website, horkins.ie, all the March, my March, tips for March are up there. So things to do in the garden during March. Planting of bulbs, I mentioned it last week, Mm. things like dahlias and begonias, starting them off indoors now. And the sowing of seed. So if you want plants, vegetable plants and flowering plants for summer, this is the time of year to sow them indoors in in trays, uh, window boxes or little containers inside in the home in a bright location and get them started and don't forget the veg garden you've got the uh, all the p- potatoes the early Maybe. new potatoes they should be starting to sprout them now and if the weather continues dry you could certainly start consider planting them any time after next weekend right. they can be planted okay. out of doors or in pots and containers brilliant okay so lots and lots of options lots there now we have uh, no shortage of questions this morning Porig from all sides including uh, ones literally delivered <laughs> delivered into the studio <laughs> we have the specimen Porig we have um, so somebody has dropped us in a few leaves in a jar when I came in this morning <laughs> I was actually going <laughs> no to take a photograph no and tweet attached. it to you but anyway I said no I'd save the surprise anyway good morning Jacqueline how are you thanks very much indeed. So the question is, can you advise Jacqueline on the daffodil leaves? Um, they seem to have some disease or she's wondering if they're lacking in minerals, loves daffodils and truly hopes to something uh, that they can be treated with. Yeah, well so. you can see from the very tips mm. of them here there's a little bit of yellowing and browning but it's confined to the very tips of the actual daffodils. So as daffodils emerge in January, late December January, as the new tips are coming through if you get a bit of weather damage, heavy frost or even wind or anything that will scorch the tips of the leaves and that's what has happened. The young leaves as they're coming through have been scorched. The rest of the leaf as you can see is perfectly green. It's fine. It's a little bit of yellowing showing so Jacqueline could actually feed them, give them a liquid feed mm. now. Um, so again, you know, some any of the phosphogen or um, any of the liquid feeds, Osmo again do a very good liquid feed. Mix them in water, give them a feed now. That'll correct the yellowing in the foliage and it'll help to push on the flowers as well. So there's nothing really to worry about. It's only a bit of... of um, 
physical damage right on the very tips that that occurred early in this in winter really as and I, yeah and I suppose because we had the mild winter park would it be fair to say that uh, the likes of the daffodils put their heads up uh, through did, yeah. the ground yeah, a little yeah. earlier than they might November, normally December, do yeah. they were beginning to shoot through so any bit of a bad night Correct. or two then they probably the tender leaves got a bit of a and as the leaves yeah. come through in, in springtime they are very tender they're green they're yellow underground and as they come through then to the light they start to green up but if you get any kind of heavy frost or yeah. hailstone even or damage you'll get that kind of speckling at the very tips of the plant I would give them a liquid feed use the liquid Osmo and that'll green them up and they'll be perfectly fine Okay, yeah, but there are some leaves there that oh, yeah, look they're absolutely they're, they're, fine, they're exactly. fine so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be worried too Overly much worried about Yeah, them, no. I, I would be happy enough if I had yeah. <laughs> a few leaves Give them a feed like or two that. now and as I said last week the, the key time to feed daffodils in bulbs in general mm. is after flowering so once they go out of flower give them a couple of feeds that builds them up for the following year and uh, you get a stronger plant Fantastic. Right, ivy planted last year by Mary um, and it's not doing very good. Um, She's wondering, does she need to feed it? Yeah, well, if it's planted out of doors, if it's a climbing ivy, um, remember that it wouldn't have come into growth just yet. And again, ivy is an evergreen plant. Mm. So any sort of weather that's thrown at her over the winter, it again picks up a couple of marks over the winter time. That's perfectly fine. We're coming to the time for feeding most plants. So again, a granulated feed, um, tree and shrub fertiliser, about half a handful around the base of the ivy plant. Let the rain wash it in. It'll be perfectly fine. The key thing with newly planted ivy is make sure that the branches are spread laterally. Don't have them growing vertically up the wall. Right. Spread the stems left and right of the main stem oh. and tack them on. Tack them on with a couple of electrician clips because ivy needs to feed the wall, feel the wall before it'll actually start to adhere to it. And by spreading it laterally, you get the a better spread from the plant. You aver, you avoid having the plant bare at the base. Okay. Because ivy, you'd often see it up a telegraph yeah. pole. It'll be quite bare right at the very base and it'll be very bushy on top because plants, and ivy in particular, tends to head vertical first. It wants to get up as high as it can. And it's ivy is actually unusual now that you got me on the okay, subject. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> if you plant ivy and it only grows, say, on a wall up to four feet, mm. once it gets above four feet, it actually starts getting very bushy and shrubby-like. So, but if it grows, say, on a telegraph pole 10 feet tall, it won't get bushy and shrubby-like till it gets to the top of the pole. Right. So it actually, the plant understands the That's height. It has it, to go up. Yeah, and, and once it has grown the top of the, to the top of the support, be it four foot or five foot or whatever, it actually starts to form a different shaped plant. So it's almost like it rests at that point because it, it knows it can't go any further. Exactly. That's exactly what it does. And it starts to produce flowers and the berries, you know, the little berries that mm-hmm. come on it. So on a low say stone wall a four foot wall once it grows to the top of that it becomes very bushy and shrubby like even the leaves start to change in shape they lose the heart shape and they become uh, more rounded Mm. and more leathery Mm. and then you get the little berries the little flowers in autumn and the berries at this time of year so depending on how high ivy grows determines its shape and what it looks like on top and so it's important that listeners spread, when they're planting climbers in general, but particularly ivy, that they spread the stems laterally, left and right, tack them on with a few electrician clips, and the plant then will start to grow vertical itself. Okay, but so you've got the spread. It'll kind of sprout out more they as will. it goes along. It yeah. It'll be a fuller and better plant. And just in relation to that, so if somebody has, say, maybe a reasonably sized wall or with the side of a house or whatever, um, is, it, is, it like, is it prudent to just plant one plant or two plants or multiple plants um, like particularly if one is going to go trailing the reason I ask this is because 
ivy can be fairly prolific too. It can. Yeah. So one might want to rethink it maybe in a year or two. And if you've got multiple plants, it can be more, more difficult to, to curtail that if, if you were rethinking well, if things. Well, once ivy, once, first of all, go for maybe mm. some of the variegated varieties. Okay. So by variegation, it means they've got colour in the leaves <laughs> and they tend to be less vigorous. The common green ivy, the ordinary common God, English yeah. iron okay. ivy, as we know, is quite vigorous and can cover an area very quickly. If you go for varieties like Gold Child or Gold Heart or Paddy's Pride or there's a whole load of different mm. varieties, Dentata is a lovely one, Dentata variegata, um, they are variegated, so they've a lot less chlorophyll, a lot less green pigment, so they tend to be slower growing. Right. So they're more suitable for house, house walls. Okay. The other thing you can do is once they establish on the wall is to take the hedge trimmers to them every spring or autumn. So, so you can prune them at this time of year. Now, do watch that because birds tend to nest in okay. ivy-clad walls. Um, so you can do it in, in summer or autumn time. But every now and then, I have, for example, ivy growing on the garage wall. Yeah. And every year I take the hedge trimmers to it and chop it back to within an inch of the wall. Now, it looks pathetic <laughs> for, a, it, for, for about week four day. weeks. Okay until the new growth comes out on it but then it's fantastic you've rejuvenated the plant and you get lots of fresh growth on it and you keep it under control so go for the variegated varieties generally when you're planting them space them about a metre apart and take them off their cane spread them left and right a couple of electrician clips on them and away they go and they're dead easy to grow um, they don't need really much care. They self-clean themselves in the wall. It saves you having to paint the wall. Yes. And you've got, with ivy, because it's evergreen, you've got 12 months of colour and a great nesting area. Um, birds you, nest in mine every year. Really? Every year. Okay, yeah, they're so, so, it, so, it so it's lovely to add, see add them as well. to that, the, the, yeah. uh, the biodiversity in the garden as exactly. well. Exactly. Okay, uh, we've got somebody pruning some acer trees today. The stems okay, are good. quite large. Right. Worried about the exposed cut ends. Is there anything they should paint on to help the healing? Okay, well, acers are in the maple family. Mm-hmm. So sycamores are acers and Japanese maples are acers. So depending on what the variety is, um, if the cuts are more than three to four inches in diameter, I would use a sealing compound. So you can get a, one called prune and seal which is literally just a liquid you dab onto the cut ends. It seals off and makes it waterproof so it stops moisture getting in and rotting the stem. Mm -hmm. And it also has a fungicide in it to protect the tree against any disease damage. So once the cuts are above kind of three inches in diameter, it is advisable to to, um, put on that prune and seal. Just dab it onto the end of the cut That'll seal it up and leave it perfectly fine. Same if you're doing large apple trees or any big trees, anywhere thing that the cut is above kind of three inches in diameter, it's advisable just to dab that on. You simply just dab it on onto the end of the stem. Perfect. Now, um, people listening last week about the plants for bees, there was a lot right. of interest in that. And I know we sent, we've sent out a little late now, only the last night and this morning, but uh, the, those note, those, the, those uh, information and the lists have gone out to people. Um, but uh, just to reiterate, maybe a, a, do they want to plant a bee-friendly flowering hedge and what plants should they use? All right, okay, yeah. so a hedge. Well, like I mentioned last week, the, the key thing is to pick plants that have single flowers. So don't go for your camellias or your big double flowering roses because they have very little nectar and very little pollen. So single flowering blooms. So what can you use? White thorn is brilliant. Black thorn is very good. Anything in the willow family, they flower early in the season. They're coming into flower now and bees are are becoming active at the moment. So anything in the willow family makes a fantastic um, hedge and and takes pruning very well. Single flowering roses, so Rosa rugosa, Rosa carnia, they're excellent. For Scythia that's in bloom at the moment, flowering red currant would be very good. Hypericum, 
Budlia, there's a whole list of, of various plants you can use. Cotoneasters, there's a, again a myriad of different varieties that can be used. Pyracantha. So think of, of, of plants that have single flowers and some that bury as well because it, it'll make the hedge very interesting. Okay. And try to pick plants that will flower at different times of the year. So the willow will be coming into flower now. The ribes will flower in April. The cotoneasters flower in April, early May. Anything in the crabapple family would be good. Roses, the single flowering roses, then flower right through the summer, as does Bodleia, Hypericum. And then for autumn, um, you could go for some of the autumn flowering honeysuckles would mm-hmm. be good. So go for a whole mixture of different plants. That list that we we made available to the listeners if again if if people want to email for that that's garden Garden there's a whole range of plants that I've put on that list that would be suitable for putting in an ornamental hedge so you'll end up with a kind of an old cottage garden type hedge lovely yeah that'll be lovely you cut it back once a year it'll come back into flower then in spring summer and autumn and and you can grow even things like the woodbine the wild honeysuckle up through it as well for a bit of interest sounds beautiful Um, somebody's got some mushrooms they're wondering is it possible to grow mushrooms indoors I see the kits in garden shops at the moment where do you place them indoors how do you care for them these are the small mushroom boxes okay uh, so they're a, a special kit that you get a polystyrene kit you've got the they come with the, the uh, manure i was going to say but the, the compost, compost which is has lots of manure added to it because mushrooms like plenty of horse manure yes. and those all like organic material so it comes the kit comes with everything in it okay including the mushroom spawn you keep them in a dark location so you're kind of mimicking how the mushrooms are grown commercially in the tunnels yes yeah. so they need um a reasonably dark location and the compost needs to be kept moist so within once you've set it up and, and water the actual compost and place the mushroom spawn into the compost, it'll take about four weeks for right. the first button mushrooms to appear. And you tend to get two or three pickings from the one from the one, one box. Kit, yeah, right. the so you'll be picking them for possibly six to eight weeks. Right. Um, so if you start one now, you'd have them certainly till early summer. And can you get them in different varieties? You can, yeah. yeah. They come in the in the white yeah. and in the brown. brown the chestnut type ones. Chestnut type, that's it, yeah. Yeah. I'm a mushroom fan. There you so, go. There's yeah. a challenge yeah. for you. Yeah. So it's a simple box, a simple kit, ideally used for use indoors. Yeah. And um, you know, a little bit of patience. Four weeks later, you've got yourself some fresh mushrooms. Some fresh fungi growing <laughs> under grown, the stairs or whatever. Mushrooms, yeah. <laughs> okay, so sounds like fun. And I suppose again, it's something nice if one has children, perhaps. And, exactly. Uh, you, you know, you'll see them in garden centres mm. now for the next kind of maybe four, four or five weeks. This is the time of year to start okay. them off. Now. Um, are there different ty- well back to our shamrocks a few questions I said well and shamrocks it being the week that's in it and all um, somebody's wondering uh, if there are different types of shamrock plants which I think you might have mentioned there um, I have the one with the green leaves which is the trifolium dubium am it I is, right yes yeah. okay um, but also wondering about the pink flowers um, leaves that fold in at night time yeah that's oxalis the, okay. the wood sorrel that I mentioned so that's an outdoor plant um, it's it it dies away during the winter period. It reemerges at this time of year. The leaves are larger than the traditional shamrocks. It's a bigger, uh, lighter coloured leaf, a kind of apple green leaf, and it's got pink flowers. So that's oxalis or wood sorrel. Sorrel. Sorry. Um, so it's not that's not a form of shamrock. As okay. such, this is you know the trifolium dubium, yeah. the yellow the flowering deal, one. Is, is the, the real one, deal? Is yeah, the shamrock? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it has been used. It, it, it made the sorrel appeared in Charles Nelson's report. <laughs> I think four or five percent of plants came in. Can were sorrel? Uh, were sorrel? Well, right. actually, wood sorrel. Okay. So it's a woodland plant. Nice pink flowers. Very easy to grow, but 
It's not your... It's not the shamrock. <laughs> it's not the real deal. <laughs> now, can we advise, please, Porek, on the best flowering trailing plant to trail over an archway from a plant box about 16 inches deep? Okay. okay. So they're planting it in a container, mm, obviously, to yes. grow over an arch. Now, right. remember that putting plants okay. into, into tubs mm. um, is relatively short term. So you might get... Six, five, maybe six years out of that particular container if it's 16 inches square. Um, the type of plants you could use, something fast growing, I suppose. Some of the clematis will be very good. There's a lovely variety called Montana that's going to come into flower now in April and May. You've got other varieties um, like N- Nelly Moser, which is quite a good vigorous variety. Tangutica would be good. So any of the fast growing summer flowering clematis would be ideal over a garden arch. Generally speaking we put in one or two different varieties of plants. So you could also go for one of the climbing roses like Dublin Bay Rambling Rector Um, there's a whole range of Rambling Rector Rector, yeah it's a a lovely (laughs) variety Um, so roses could be used with clematis as a combination or honeysuckle would be quite nice again there's a whole range of different varieties of honeysuckle uh, available at the moment so plant it now most of those should come into flower this year and are quite vigorous but do remember that a 16 inch container within 5 or 6 years you're going to need to move those plants on and put something fresh in again. So are we saying it might be better to put it into the ground? In the first Ideally instance? it is better. It is better if you can put climbers into the ground because they're, they're vigorous by nature. They grow very fast. The leaf needs lo- lots of moisture and lots of nutrition and a 16-inch box in time is just going to confine the plant. Um, you could put short-term plants in like nasturtiums mm. or sweet peas Again, you can sow them from seed now. And of course, the nasturtiums will be like very vigorous. Yes, they, you know, like and they're, wildfire. They would, and they grow right up over yeah. over the arch within one year. year yeah. But then you'd you know redo that each year as well. So you could put a pick, select some short term plants, or put in the likes of the clematis, honeysuckles, or climbing roses, and look at that as kind of as a five or six year. Uh, project, project and then move but those. Have to, yeah, but you, re- you can't you have to go really. back to scratch yeah. then again. Yeah. So right. Ideally, they should go into the ground if you can move the arch maybe <laughs> to another <laughs> area of the garden or right. get a bigger planting box, yeah. you know, something larger that will take more volume. Okay, lovely. We'll, we'll stay with one more and we're staying with climbers, uh, yeah. I suppose, in general for a second and then we'll take a break. Um, so, um, a listener would like to grow a plant on the walls at the front of my house, cottage style. What can I plant? I don't want ivy. I have clematis growing on a back wall, but would prefer something not as bushy at the front of the house if it's possible. Yeah, well, again, there's, there's a whole range. If you want a kind of cottage garden, again, mm. any of the, the, the rambling roses would be lovely. Um, so again, there's a whole range of different varieties. American Pillar is a really nice Ooh. one. It's a single flowering rambling rose with uh, pink and white flowers. Very, very easy to go. There's another lovely one called Albertine, which produces an apricot-like flower. Very dark bronze foliage, nice apricot pink uh, coloured um, flower. Again, very easy to grow. But there's a whole range of different climbing roses that could be used. And generally where you're using climbing roses, you'd introduce clematis or honeysuckle or sweet pea with those to give a complementary show of colour during the summer months. Wisteria is another lovely cottage garden Beautiful, plant. Beautiful, yeah. And um, it takes a little while to come on. It does. It takes a. Well, it's worth it, it. Yeah. It is. Now, the traditionally wisteria was sown from seed or cuttings. Mm. Today, we graft them onto a rootstock, which brings them into flower early. So, traditionally, you'd have to wait six or seven years for wisteria to flower. Now, you can buy plants that will actually flower within two years. So, wisteria produces foot-long flowers in, in shades of white, pink, or purple. Mm-hmm. Um, 
beautiful when it comes into flower and again it's ideal to scramble over a large area cottage or a, a, a huge arch or something like that it looks really well it, it flowers kind of April, May, early June sort of period so I do advise putting in some summer flowering climbers with them just to add uh, just extend the flowering period really so you can put wisterian roses together or wisterian clematis together um, so honeysuckles, clematis, climbing roses rambling roses, wisteria they'd all be perfect on a cottage garden great stuff as climbers a couple of questions people who had been getting the bee lists also were uh, sending some okay, uh, to right. us on email park so Taking just, the opportunity, yeah, yeah. I, just want, I just don't want to forget about them um, uh, good morning to Geraldine so Geraldine was wondering she's got two questions first first of all we're going inside an orchid at Christmas um, in the last week Geraldine says all the flowers have fallen off and the leaves are healthy looking so she's wondering what should she do with it okay well that would be typical of, mm. of orchids at this time of year so they come into flower around uh, you know November December specifically for Christmas they'll flower then up until the end of February so at this time of year the old flower stem should be cut back yeah the young growth is nice and healthy that's great to hear it really is this is the time of year to repot it now into a larger pot now orchids are epiphytes which means that in nature they grow in trees in mosses and bits of lichen and leaf litter so they don't like our traditional compost you know earthy compost Mm -hmm. they grow in a very special mix so Jerry needs to get a bag of orchid compost repot the plant to a larger pot keep it indoors in a bright location feed it with some orchid food now during the summer period Mm. and it'll come back into flower brilliantly again next Christmas Christmas. yeah next autumn Christmas are all orchids uh, flowering do they flower no no you have different varieties of them yeah Yeah. different varieties of them um, but many of them are are triggered to flower to, it's probably one of the cymbidium orchids which have particularly large flowers very colourful at, at Christmas, at Christmas time. the ones that are kind of tall and exactly. yeah, gangly looking for yeah, one well gangly stems yeah, yeah. but, but uh, beautiful not the flowers now yeah beautiful <laughs> when they come into flower yeah. um, so well worth looking after the plant repot it now start to feed it with an orchid feed make sure you use the orchid compost and for most indoor plants dear to this is the time of year now as we're coming into mm. March they're kicking back into growth as, as well so if you've got you know, your your geraniums and your rubber plants or mother-in-law's tongue or whatever it is, this is a good time of year to start repotting uh, house plants uh-huh. in general and kick-starting them back into growth again because we've cut back on the watering over the, the winter period. Now with the longer day length, it's a good idea to repot, start to water, start to feed and bring them back into life again. Okay, I, I, I know Georgian has part two of a question there, but we'll stay with house plants for a second because we've got something here in relation to an indoor fig tree. It's in a pot, okay. yep. grown too tall and gangly. Uh, can I cut it back now with a secateurs? I don't want it to be too gangly. Can I, um, uh, I don't want to kill it rather. Sorry, right. I beg your pardon. Celia is an ackle. Yeah, well, there's no problem pruning. That's the ficus or the fig plant. Mm-hmm. Um, so no problem pruning that back. You can take a foot or two off the plant if you wish. Again, if it's... Uh, Reasonably mature plant, good time of year to repot it, put into a into a new pot. It'll grow. The figs will grow in traditional uh, garden compost. So get yourself a small bag of indoor compost or multi-purpose compost. Repot it. You want to water it about maybe once every ten days at this time of year and liquid feed it. Start to liquid feed it now with something like um, Baby Bio or the Osmo liquid feeds. Any of those feeds just to kick it back into growth again. But ficus makes a beautiful, very full green or they come in variegated forms as well plant very easy to grow and this is the time of year really to kick it back into growth but pruning it back is no problem whatsoever right. prune it back any dead wood take that out mm. treat it like you would an outdoor plant in terms of pruning it back and tidying it up 
and it, it, it starts to rejuvenate the plant again. Now, Geraldine also had nare- has nareens. Uh, they mm. flowered badly last year, so okay. she's wondering. Um, she's wondering they might be set too deep. Can ah, yeah. she re- lift them and replant them now, yeah. or when to do that? So nareens are a plant that actually come into flower in the autumn. So they're an autumn flowering bulb. Um, beautiful plant, really shades of different shades of pinks and, so, and purples. Mm. Um, they grow about 18 inches in high, uh, high, and this is the time of year to actually plant them. So they're a, we would consider them a summer flowering bulb, even though they flower in the autumn. So there's no problem lifting them now. Dig them up. You can actually, if, if particularly if they're in the ground for a couple of years, you can split them and divide them and put them somewhere else. Or for listeners that have nearines in their garden, they want to move them to other parts of the garden. This is the time of year. So literally just dig the clumps up. The nose of the bulb should be just about half an inch or maybe an inch at most beneath the soil. So really have the tip of the bulb just beneath the soil. Put down some fresh compost with them and they'll come into flower for Geraldine this, this autumn. They'll be beautiful again. Okay. Uh, wondering about feeding primulas, pansies, tulips, etc. Uh, I pot them now. If so, how often should I... Uh Feed them. Yeah, they're coming into flower now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so they're adding a bit of colour and they're using lots of energy at the moment. So feeding them about once a fortnight. Again, liquid feed. Whenever you're giving them a drink of water, put some feed in. So about once a fortnight this time of year will be fine. Um, deadhead them occasionally once a week. Just check the old flowers, take them off. And most of those plants will stay in flower until May. So you've got at least two months of colour to look forward to. So liquid feed them every fortnight. A good liquid feed like the Osmo liquid feed would be fine. Great. Um, just to acknowledge a couple of the people who had sent in the uh, queries on the bee lists, and they're yeah. still available if people well, want they are, them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so feel free to, to email us at garden at midwestradio.ie and we'll, we'll send those back out to you. But um, uh, Michael, uh, I think, might be part of uh, some of the tidy towns. They're just wondering in general, um, would you have suggestions at the moment for planting projects, maybe for tidy towns or for larger community groups yeah, like well, that? Yeah, the tidy towns are beginning to, uh, to I suppose, get back out into the garden I was with the the lads in Kilchamaw actually looking at a project um, last Saturday um, and down in Mulrani a couple of weeks back again looking at with the team down there a big trend at the moment dear is probably going away from the old traditional bedding plants you know the kind of petunias and begonias and busy and all of those summer flowering Mediterranean plants and a lot of the tidy towns are going towards um, I suppose more, more sustainable plants plants that will come back year after year so there's a big swing over to cottage garden plants things like lupins and delphiniums and arum lilies chrysanthemums all of those sort of plants and they're perennial by nature they're frost hardy so they can be planted at this time of year so for the tidy towns, if they want to start planting up beds and borders, look at that kind of range of herbaceous perennial plants or some of the herbaceous bulbs, like the nearines. Now, they do flower in the autumn, but, you know, it's nice to have a bit of colour in autumn as well. Uh, but really look at the at the summer flowering herbaceous plants like arum lilies, dwarf lupins, um, chrysanthemums are great, asters give a great show of colour. And they can always be augmented with some bedding plants as well, just to add a bit of, of colour. But certainly there's a swing more over to, we see it in Westport in particular, coming into Westport, they're using a lot more of grasses, ornamental perennials, plants that are going to come back uh, for a number of years. And I know the, the Tidy Town judges are looking for that kind of sustainable planting, planting. as well. And particularly bee-friendly plants as well. So many of the plants on, the, on our bee-friendly list would be perennial by nature, come back year after year. Okay. Uh, is it is it too late to prune a hydrangea that has started no, to bud? That was the question yeah, I was looking at earlier. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean the, the summer flowering shrubs, this is the time of year. So dogwoods, 
hydrangeas, hypericums, lavateria, all of those plants, roses. This is the time of year to prune those back. So get out with the secateurs this weekend. Prune the hydrangea back. Don't prune it completely to the bush. Just remove the, the flowers that produced the blooms last year. And you'll know those because the old wither flowers will be at the top of the stem. So prune those right back. Give the plant the hydrangea feed and it'll be back into growth in a couple of weeks' time. Now, a couple of people wondering about uh, flowers for St. Patrick's Day and bringing some colour to window boxes. Right. Would you have suggestions for that for well, during many the, the week? the plants that we mm. mentioned today, the dwarf daffodils are in bloom. Scented hyacinths would be lovely. Violas, pansies. Um, the spring flowering heathers the blue campanula I mentioned that's campanula porto it's the, called the bell flower it's got navy blue rich deep bell shaped blue flowers lovely plant to cascade over a, a window box or a container maybe some trailing ivy so there's lots of spring all the primulas are coming into flower at the moment pop into your local garden centre there's loads of colour there at the moment that kind of spring colour and it will last right up until early May if you plant it now uh, somebody's wondering they've found they've always found parsley hard to grow from seeds would you have any suggestions okay well it is it's a difficult one my mother always tells me that <laughs> she finds it difficult to grow from seed um, and it is it's, it's actually a plant that needs high temperatures so it needs kind of over 20 degrees so it needs indoor temperatures to, yeah. to germinate if you sow it out of doors it can take for weeks and weeks for it to germinate so I would sow it indoors simply um, a tip for you is to actually so- soak the seed in water overnight. So put it into a little jam jar of tepid water, leave it overnight and then put it through a sieve and, and collect the seed. Sow the seed in, in just regular garden uh, compost, uh, potted, potting compost. Have it moist but not too wet. Sow the seed on the top. Put a little bit, little bit of vermiculite or compost over that. Cling film on the top and sit on a bright, warm windowsill. Underneath a radiator is the ideal location. Now, it tends to take two weeks, 14 days, maybe maybe 20 days to germinate. But once it is germinated, you peel, peel back the cling film mm-hmm. and you've got yourself some fresh parsley. Or else buy yourself a few plants. <laughs> <laughs> this is the time of year to get parsley. The Italian parsley tends to be better. That has the plain leaf parsley the flavour tends to be stronger in that people still like the moss the The curly curly you can sow either both but the plain leaf uh, is particularly nice very good flavour from that and uh, but this is the time of year to sow it now a listener is visiting Ireland this week and they would like to get some flowers to plant on their mum's resting place flowers that might last a couple of weeks or up until about Easter which was her birthday so okay well I would look at some of the alpine plants and things like Aubrecia Mm -hmm. which has beautiful purple flowers it'll be coming into flower very very shortly Arabus which complements Aubrecia the two of them go very well together it's a white so these are small little alpine plants they only grow two to three inches in height they tend to carpet the ground so they're ground covering um, they're perfect out of doors so they'll take the frost and any wind we may have and they flower this time of year every year so if the listener is back visiting the, the area uh, this time next year those plants will be in bloom and they will flower up until Easter you know the end of April early May sort of period uh, Dianthus there's some lovely Dianthus varieties coming into flower at the moment that um, bellflower I mentioned the Campania de Porto would be lovely as well it's a perennial okay. comes back year after year mm-hmm. so pop into your local garden centre there's lots of alpine plants just starting to flower now and um, plant them out of doors and they'll, they'll give you lovely colour now, uh, from from boxes to shaded wooded areas, um, a listener has is wondering about suggestions to cover uh, soil in a shaded wooded area. Something to give good cover and easy to maintain. Well, you could use the just uh, even the common green ivy would give you great cover. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll take the shade. 
it'll root as it's growing along the ground and cover the soil. So in a woodland area, um, the common English ivy works really well and will cover the ground. It'll form that kind of nary carpet across the ground under which you can plant a lot of spring flowering bulbs like bluebells, like snowdrops, um, dog's tooth violet is a lovely spring flowering uh, bulb narcissi, they, they would all work within that kind of woodland area and, and take the shade um, another plant that you could plant is one called pachysandra which again is a ground covering plant pachysandra, it's mm-hmm. an evergreen foliage white flowers, does very well under shade very good ground covering plant and it's the type of plant that you plant on its own to form this kind of carpet effect and that covers the the woodland. woodland. If it's a larger woodland area, you could also think of putting in some wild garlic. Mm-hmm. The ransoms would be using the leaves of those, or the chefs will be using the leaves of those in the next couple of weeks. Um, a good example is in the museum in Turlock. In the wooded area there, they have lots of ransoms planted and the wild garlic, and it's fantastic in late March, April, as they come into flower. Um, gives that garlicky smell, smell yeah. but it does really well. It spreads, colonises the area covers up the kind of weeds. Yeah, and, and it's kind of, it has a little flower on it as well. It's a white like, flower. It? Yeah. Flowers, yeah, there's a white flower on it. But you get the smell, particularly when you're walking through the woodland, when it's in bloom, um, there's a fantastic smell of garlic. But a month before that, a lot of the local chefs would yeah. pop out, pick the leaves, and it and makes a fantastic, uh, great for garnishing dishes. Um, it makes a, a fantastic, what am I trying to think of? Uh Pesto. 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 <laughs> I was going to say word. pesto, right? <laughs> yeah, pesto. It makes a fantastic pesto. Um, so that's a perennial plant. It's wild. It's, they're called ransoms or wild garlic, and that does very well in woodland areas as well. Cyclamen is another plant that really likes a shaded area. You can get outdoor cyclamen varieties, which do very well in shaded areas. And you can get great well. colour in cyclamen. Fantastic mm. colour. They're pinks and whites, and they're perennial. There are perennial cyclamen that come back year after year. So there's lots of woodland plants that would, would do. Would do. Uh, a listener is wondering just about sowing grass seed. I know we talked about uh, general yeah. lawn care, but um, is it too early to sow no, no. the actual grass seed no, at this no, point? It's not. No, no. Uh, once we get above eight degrees, ten degrees, this sort of weather is ideal weather for reseeding areas or putting down new lawns. Um, perfect weather. Or if the listener even wanted you, it's a good time of year for re-turfing. So if you've got one area of the garden that's maybe damaged, and you've got some spare grass that you could actually dig up and move. In, in squares mm-hmm. that can be done at this time of year but in terms of reseeding if you put fresh seed de- down now it'll germinate within a three to four week period so it's perfect weather ideal uh, a listener has some china roses they were pruned back but there's no buds appearing and they appear to be a bit uh, sappy uh, says Marion will they survive? They should do. I mean, I would just give them another week or two. It's early yet. Um, if they've only been pruned, you know, put some fertiliser on them that'll kick them into growth and leave them for a week or two and let this sort of weather, they should be back in new growth within within two weeks. Uh, pivot hedge got sprayed by accident, but there are buds. Is there anything to help it along? Well, it depends what <laughs> it was sprayed by, but privet is, is as tough as old boots. It's a really easy hedge to grow, um, very vigorous. I wouldn't worry too much about it if the new growth is coming on, that that's a good sign. Again, put some fertilizer, a tree and shrub feed, a handful of that, a granulated fertilizer around the base of the privet and that'll boost it on. Remember, the growth is just starting. So you're just seeing the buds and the first leaves start to emerge. So don't be expecting too much just yet. But over the next couple of weeks, particularly if you add some fertilizer, it'll boost it on. And by the end of March, the privet should be back in full leaf. Privet anyway, by nature, if we get a coldish winter, which we haven't had this year, Mm. but if we got 
cold weather or it gets a bit of a shock, it tends to drop its leaves anyway, even though it is semi-evergreen. So the weed killer probably has just set it back, but it's budding again. That's a good sign. Give it some feed. It should be perfectly okay. Now, when would it be okay to plant a laburnum and willow plants in my new garden? Uh, my two daughters, I think, want to give a tree for our new home. Okay, well, trees in general, this is the time of year. Laburnum will be coming into flower in April. So this is a great time to actually put them into the garden. And indeed, trees in general, be they maples, cherries, willows, um, this is a really good time as we come into springtime. The main thing is to make sure that you plant at the same depth that you that you get it in the container so just slip the container off add some fertilizer and compost around the base of it and make sure you stake the tree and stake stake it firmly two straps on the tree to to firm it in well but this is a perfect this weekend would be ideal for putting a a new tree into the garden now uh damien is in the on i suppose this this might be more agricultural now than horticultural but is it too early to spray ragworts in the field well, it's in general, I maybe leave it another week or yeah. two. In general, you want new growth on, on weeds to, to, for it to be effective, um, particularly perennial weeds with a, a taproot. So possibly another two weeks. Generally yeah. speaking, if you put a bit of fertiliser on first, get the weeds nice and soft and then apply the weed killers, you get a better kill. Okay. And that applies to lawns in particular. You know, if you want to control weeds in lawn, it's better to feed the lawn first, leave it two weeks, allow the weeds to grow because the weeds will react to the fertiliser and you get a better a better reaction to the spray. Um, but somebody's wondering about the best conditions to sow camellias and can you get daffodils to multiply? Well, daffodils multiply anyway mm. by nature. They they produce little offsets, little bulblets. After they finish flowering in the end of April, um, it's a good time to lift daffodils and split them and propagate them and put them somewhere else in the garden. So we move them in the green. I think I said that last week. Mm-hmm. So uh, once the flowers are gone off, you literally do, just dig up the plants and transplant them anywhere into the garden. In terms of camellias, they need acid-free soil, so a lime-free soil. So they do very well in pots and containers, large tubs and containers, because you can get yourself a bag of ericaceous compost, some ericaceous food, mix it through, put it into the into the container and away they go. Or if you're planting them out in the garden, just enrich the soil with an ericaceous feed and compost and put the chameleon there. They're not hard grown. They're coming into flower at the moment. They'll make a beautiful Mother's Day gift as we come Which up to Mother's Day. Which is not too far off. No, now. the end of March. Yeah, and, it's um, third Sunday of March. Is that, it is, is that, yeah. 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 Um, so so uh, chameleons are they're, they're brilliant. They're in flower since January and uh, they'll continue to flower to probably the well, certainly till early May. Great. Um, and finally, we're going to end things on sweet peas this morning. Porek, when's the best time to sow and can we sow them outside? Sow them indoors might, would be my advice. Okay. Sow them now indoors. Again, that's a seed that should be sown in wa- soaked in water overnight. So put them into a bit of tepid water overnight, drain them off, sow them then the following morning into ordinary compost, cover them with cling film. Within two weeks, they'll be two or three inches high. Le- let them grow on then for maybe another two weeks or three weeks and then plant them out of doors possibly about the first or second week of April and they'll come into flower for you. Pinch them back as well as they're growing. Pinch the tips out of the the bush out. Yeah, you get more flowers from the plant. But any time from now on is a good time to sow a seed in general but particularly sweet pea. Okay, fantastic. Listen, thank you very much for all of that. Uh, As I said, yeah, if people... My my tips are on the horkins.ie on the blog page, all my tips for March. So just click on there. You'll see the list of things to do in the garden. Okay. Thanks very much, Porek. We're back again next Saturday. In the meantime, I suppose we'll say Banach the Law Fela Porek in advance uh, for all the Poreks everywhere. And um, stand by, Michael Neary, coming your way here on Midwest Radio directly after the news at 10, which is on the way next. I'm back next Saturday. Until then, good morning to you.